The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. flagship show of the Restoration Radio Network, the network for the thinking Catholic. And now, your host. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are indeed listening to the flagship show of the Restoration Radio Network. Uh, this is a special edition, uh, and I'm joined today by His Excellency Bishop Donald Sanborn, Rector of Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Your Excellency, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you. Nice to be here. We are gathered here today, dearly beloved, uh, to discuss uh, a matter of importance um, regarding a for erstwhile colleague of yours, Your Excellency Bishop Williamson, who made a rather shocking comment. And actually, I should note that we've wanted to do an episode on Bishop Williamson for some time um, based on some of some comments that, you, that disturbed you. But we really haven't had time to, to do that episode. There's been a lot of other more pressing concerns and other episodes we've needed to record. But we reached a tipping point when we noticed, and you noticed it before I did. Uh, I, I, I'm not as close to the ground on some of these things. But the idea that Bishop Williamson gave uh, about attending the Novus Ordo, and for those who may not have heard about this, could you encapsulate uh, what was said, and then I think we'll we'll go in and talk a little bit more deeply about it. Uh, yes, he uh, gave a, a talk uh, in Connecticut on June 28th, and then uh, opened the talk to questions and answers. And I think the first or second question that came through was, uh, I go to the woman said I go to the Latin Mass during the week. Uh, I, uh, but uh, something like if I can't make it, I go to the new mass because I think the priests are validly consecrating. And essentially, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm paraphrasing uh, terribly, but that was the gist of it, that I go to the new mass during the week. Could you comment on that? And he he did. He responded to that. And that, that's really, I think, what shocked quite a few people, what his response was. Well, and uh, His Excellency has the the uh, exact uh, exact question in his article on his blog, and the the question was: During the week, I go to a Novus Ordo Mass that said in a very reverent way, where I believe that the priests believe that they are changing the bread and wine. Uh, and I I have the exact quote because the article is called Christ or Belial, and that's on the bishop's blog. I, I didn't think it was a very subtle title. Your Excellency, I think you pretty clearly indicated your thoughts on the matter. Um, and I had mentioned to you before today's episode 
that uh, some people might say, well, you know, this is because Bishop Sanborn knows uh, Bishop Williamson. And so there's a different tint to his perspective. And you pointed out that that actually uh, legitimizes your point of view, perhaps more than stranger for Bishop Williamson. Yes, I, I met Bishop Williamson the day he arrived at Acone. I think it was 1972, uh, I think, uh, or 73, in there, though. Uh, and, um, uh, I, you know, so I, he, I had many discussions with him at Acone. I had correspondence with him after I was ordained. Uh, I would say that I was friends with Bishop Williamson, Uh but uh, when, of course, the 1980s came, uh, you know, things changed. And uh, uh, but I still, you know, have followed him. I've read his, his, his all of his letters, and uh, so I, I feel as though I know Bishop Williamson fairly well. And uh, so, you know, I I feel somewhat qualified to to comment on his thinking. So I'm going to read some of the quotes from the bishop's answer, and then we're going to break down those quotes, Your Excellency. So he said that the new mass is a key part of the new religion, a major part of the worldwide apostasy. He stated that the golden rule and absolute rule of rules was to do whatever you need to nourish your faith. He also said that some Novus Ordo priests are nourishing and building the faith in the Novus Ordo parish. He also said there have been Eucharistic miracles with the Novus Ordo mass, and they are still occurring. He also says, while the new religion is false, is dangerous, and it strangles grace, it's a very graphic image, it's helping many people to lose the faith. At the same time, there are cases where it can be used and is used to build the faith. And he says, do whatever you need to do to keep the faith. He says, you make your own judgments. I've got to make my own decisions in my own circumstances. I can't say those are words I'd ever hear out of your mouth, Your Excellency, but maybe you have a different conception of the episcopacy. And he, uh, he finishes, therefore, there are cases when even the Novus Ordo Mass can be attended with an effect of building one faith instead of losing it. Uh, but he also says, stay away from the Novus Ordo. But exceptionally, if you're watching and praying, even there you may find the grace of God if you do make use of it in order to sanctify your soul. Uh, If they, the lay people can trust their own judgment that attending the new mass will do them more good than harm, but it does harm itself. There's no doubt about that. It is a right designed to undermine Catholics faith and to turn their belief away from God towards man. He also finishes with the whole of the new religion and the Novus Ordo mass is an essential part of the new religion is designed to get you away from the Catholic faith. For our listeners who don't know, who don't regularly listen to our Francis Watch show, this last month we had an episode in which we realized that hermeneutics could really be used as a sort of pill that you take to get through statements. And I, I feel like I need to take nine or ten hermeneutics after uh, reading all those quotes, Your Excellency. They're they're very contradictory. Uh, they're very problematic. And as I said, uh, His Excellency has an excellent. Uh, if you go to inveritateblog.com, you'll find. His Excellency's article. So I don't want to rehash the article in today's episode. I simply want to address these these quotes. Um, and I suppose we have to start by looking at the Mass itself, uh, Your Excellency. And, and you, you point out in the article that it's either Catholic or it's not Catholic. And the bishop seems to say it's both. Yes, this is the the eternal problem of the SSPX. It has been and was the eternal problem of Archbishop Lefebvre. 
going both ways on the Novus Ordo. Uh, either the new mass, we'll go back even further, either the new religion is Catholicism or it is not. There is no third possibility. Consequently, either the, the new uh, mass is Catholic worship or it is not. There is no third possibility. And because these, this new religion and this new mass is given to us by people who, you know, by all intents and purposes, have been elected to posts of authority in the Catholic Church, you know, if we're just going back to the 1960s, say, and we're looking at it from that point of view, we have to, in order to mount any kind of resistance to them, we have to be dead certain, according to the principles of the Catholic faith, that what they are handing us is a false religion and that their worship is false worship. Uh, otherwise, we are on worse than thin ice. I mean, the, the lake has, has thought we're drowning in schism if we mount any kind of resistance to something that is really just a legitimate continuation of Catholicism. See, so that, that has to be figured out early on before we can make any decisions about where to go to Mass. Is this Catholicism or not? And it, I mention in this article that the Society of St. Pius X has been consistent on one thing, and that is never to give an unchanging, concrete rule about what they think about the new religion, what they think about the new worship. They, they flip-flop and zigzag back and forth whatever suits the purpose at the time. And that's uh, the single thing that they have been consistent on, <laughs> is that they will not say what it is. And they have changed their minds over and over again. I mean, if you did all of the, uh, the, the research and, and got all of the quotes of Archbishop Lefebvre, and they're potentates, people who represent them. I mean, it's, it's appalling, just like what we're reading here. Well, I remember the late 90s when Bishop Tissier and Father Violette were giving the intrinsically evil line. I don't think they'd be uh, allowed to be speaking in public about that anymore these days. No, it's interesting that you bring that up because Bishop Williamson was deeply involved in the intrinsically evil controversy in the late 1970s. I think it was 1978. He wrote me letters about it and said, what do I think? Of course, you know what I said. <laughs> it is intrinsically evil. He agreed. He was fighting, uh, I think at the time, uh, the other, uh, the opponent in the arena was, I believe, Father Cantoni, who eventually left and became part of a, an Italian diocese. I believe that. I might be off on that, but there was a charge from the left on that, and somebody was leading it. So it was Williamson versus the left. And, and then Bishop Tissier, who was the rector at the time, got up in a conference and said, really, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you say what Archbishop Lefebvre thinks. <laughs> I had a sinking feeling you were going to say that, Your Excellency. Well, that's what Bishop Williamson himself told me at the time. He was a professor at Iconet, and he was appalled by that. I mean, just, just imagine saying that. He was leading the intrinsically evil charge. And Finally, the archbishop intervened and, and told Bishop Williamson, I don't want you to say that it's intrinsically evil because somebody might, from that, infer that it's necessarily invalid. And, I, you know, I could be reading into it, but I noticed from that point on, 
because Archbishop Lefebvre just put the, the, the pen in his balloon that it just you know completely deflated him uh in this charge that he was leading uh he i think lost his his theological confidence and became much more dependent on the archbishop at that point uh in when i knew him at acone in uh, when i was still a student he was leading the charge against the modernist professors at acone the church history professor and and some others who were of modernist tendency he was leading that charge i mean he 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 has this very very good side to him he understands the modern world perfectly he understands modern theology perfectly he when he speaks about those things and stays on those things uh you know i i couldn't come close to him in, in his ability to explain those things uh, but he he has this other side to him, which is so uh, I think excessively subservient to the archbishop's thought. And the archbishop was a mixed up person. I mean, he was a man of constantly contradicting himself and flip flopping and zigzagging. And so I think he, Bishop Williamson learned that that the the Novus Ordo is at once something to shun and something to embrace. The new religion is at once Catholic and non Catholic. Uh, the, the the modernist popes are at once heretics and popes. Is that that it, that this all of these things are are fighting in his mind and 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 but yet he, you know it's all covered by a blanket of Lefevreism. This is the line of the of Lefevre, and therefore it should be followed. That's what I think is is what we call might say his psychology is on this thing. Well, and he, this is ultimately a pastoral question. Some some lady was asking because she wanted to go to math, mass, and there's this idea of, of nourishing the faith. And I said on other episodes on the network before that it took me two years to come to the non-Unicum position. I think because I had spent 10 years with the SSPX and I was very influenced by the you have to go to mass on Sunday idea. And one of the quotes that you repeated that Bishop Dolan, Father Chicada had always said to me that I can, I can get to heaven without the mass, but I can't get to heaven without the faith. And that really resonated with me because I was familiar with church history. You have the American Indians who were baptized by the North American martyrs. They had to go without mass for a long time. You have the non-juring French uh, in the country where I live now, the, the non-juring uh, French uh, lay people during the French Revolution, they had to go without mass under papal command. Uh, you have the Japanese and Korean Catholics who had all their priests executed or exiled. They had to go without mass, and they probably still managed to thrive, whereas people who have access to daily mass, they don't even go, uh, or if they, they do, they only go on Sundays. So I think part of this statement is made from decadence. I think a lot of people in the United States or in England have a surfeit, at least in the SSPX circles, they have a surfeit of mass. So they're used to getting mass all the time. And so for them, anything but losing the mass would be acceptable to them. So even going to the Novus Ordo on, on weekdays. But um, it's a very strange statement, the idea of whatever you need to do to nourish your faith. But then he goes on to say that the Novus Ordo would undermine your faith. So I think you, your, your bigger issue here, Your Excellency, apart from the fact that we, we can see that the bishop says that it doesn't, it's, it's a contradictory principle. Why is it that you insist on this principle that I told you helped inform 
my coming to the non-unicum position, which is you you can go to heaven without the mass, but, but not the Catholic faith. And what do you think makes people hold on to going to mass so tightly? Well, certainly going to mass on Sunday, it, it was drilled into our head uh, very, very deeply uh, when we were children. Uh, and I think most people, certainly my age, uh, knew that. Uh, I think young people might might know it less so. But uh, uh, the so there is that fact, and, and because naturally the mass is the is the way you worship God, and the first purpose of religion is the worship of God. Uh, so, it, of course, the, the Mass is a very important thing. Uh, and uh, most people want to see just a solution to the uh, religious problem. They they don't really want to get into controversies about faith. They want some place to go to Mass. <laughs> you know, they, they don't want to get into the whole fray of of what's wrong. They just want to a place to go to Mass. And if it's a Latin Mass, uh, that's fine. It doesn't offend them. It quote unquote nourishes their faith. Uh, it, it is not uh, an insult to their faith the way the new mass is. Uh, but I think that's as far as they get with it. Uh, and you have to do some serious thinking to say, well, what is more important, the faith or the mass? If there, if you notice that there is a departure from faith in some way or other in the mass. If your Mass is being offered with heretics, even if it should be the traditional Latin Mass, if it is being offered in union with heretics, that gives it an essential flaw. So even if the liturgy might nourish your faith, so to speak, uh, that does not uh, justify the fact that it's it's offered in, in union with heretics. Uh, it does It makes it displeasing to God to offer that in union with heretics. And so the where there is any kind of a, a conflict between mass and faith, we must, of course, go with the faith. I thought it was interesting. The SSPX official organ in the United States, uh, SSPX.org, released a, a video uh, not long after this one in which they addressed the should you go to the new mass question. I, I had to think it couldn't quite really be a coincidence. And I thought it was interesting because... Bishop Williamson's position makes more sense given Bishop Fillet's current posturing for an official seat at the table at the Vatican that, that Bishop Williamson saying, hey, go to the new mass if it works for you. But the video um, put out the latest party line, which is, you know, you, you really can't go to the new mass. So I thought, why, you know, if, if Bishop Williamson was ejected for, for not uh, compromising enough, they actually would be better suited to use his sort of quote-unquote pastoral advice, especially in the Bergolian era where pastoral advice matters more than doctrine, uh, mm-hmm. instead of putting out the old official line, which is, oh, you can't go to the new mass. Um, it really doesn't help their position. No, but again, you're, you're trying to find consistency and coherence in something that isn't consistent and coherent. If you're making a, a move to become incorporated with the Novus Ordo, obviously you, at least implicitly, assent to the intrinsic Catholicity of the Novus Ordo worship. I mean, it's it's just <laughs> unless you, I mean I, I I'm at a loss to explain it. If is it Catholic worship or not? 
if it isn't Catholic worship, how could you possibly want to be incorporated into the Novus Ordo? Uh, you know, it, it defies explanation. And yes, I agree with you. Uh, and yet, Bishop Williamson, who abhors the idea of, of hooking up with the Novus Ordo, sets down all of the principles of hooking up. <laughs> he says, whatever nourishes your faith. Uh, that that the the faith is being built up by these Novus Ordo priests. Uh, that means that it, if the Novus Ordo is observed, I mean the Novus Ordo religion is observed and the Novus Ordo rite is observed in a certain way, that it is not offensive to Catholicism. That's the only conclusion that you could get from that. That it's only when the Novus Ordo is offensive, uh, you know, that it is done with balloons or clowns, that it becomes bad. That, that's what you come away with when you read these statements of Bishop Williamson. Uh, that, that the Novus Ordo is capable of building up Catholic faith. How could it be capable of building up Catholic faith unless it has the Catholic faith in it? Unless, unless it, it, it reflects Catholic doctrine. If it reflects Catholic doctrine, then why do we avoid it? And if it builds up the faith, why don't we seek out conservative priests? That's that's really all the logic uh, of going to Bergoglio and say, can be can we be a, a conservative branch of the Novus Ordo? It, it it's all there. <laughs> I was so shocked to see it that if you just you know run down through some of the these principles that he enunciates, they, then you know of course. And why don't we go to a motu proprio mass? If the new mass reverently said in the vernacular can build up the faith. And what about a motu proprio mass? That must be wonderful. <laughs> so mm. it it it, pre, it it totally excludes any idea of the new religion. It totally excludes any idea of the validity of the the, the Novus Ordo sacraments and and everything else. It just concentrates on this idea of something that builds your faith. So the 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 whole focus is on your interior life. So whatever can feed your interior life is justified by your your experience of it. It's totally subjectivistic. Well, speaking of subjectivistic, uh, there's also an over reliance on private revelation. We, we've we've seen this before with with Bishop Williamson, but he mentions here that there are so called Eucharistic miracles. I'm not familiar with them, so I can't really speak to them. But um, and I don't know if you are either, Your Excellency. But I think we could probably speak to the larger issue here of referring to Eucharistic miracles or using Eucharistic miracles to argue principles? Uh, yes. Uh, the uh, First of all, as I say in the footnote in the article, I've known Bishop Williamson for 42 or 43 years. I can't remember what it is, but uh, even at a cone, you know, he was telling me about these, this and that apparition and, and this and that happening here, there, and the other place. And I thought, and I've even said to him, I even said to him at that time, you know, I think you're you're too credulous about these things. And, but he's he's was always very much interested in any kind of supernatural event and believed it to be true. Uh, what do you I think, think that without, did for him, Your Excellency? What what do you think that that was doing for him? Those those supernatural events. I think that he was relying on those supernatural events as a guarantee of his faith. Mm. That's that's what I think. That 
if those were to be pulled away from him, uh, I think that it would shake his faith. That, that was my opinion, or that's, that was my impression, that it was so much a part of his act of faith. Uh, he was converted to, to the Catholic faith uh, at or by Garabondal. There was a, a supposed apparition in Spain in the 1970s or 60s. And and, uh, and I heard the whole story when he was at Icon, and and so it, it, his faith is very much bound up in those things, and they sh- an apparition or a miracle should only be a springboard to the virtue of faith, and we should not be always looking for another uh, another guarantee. Uh, and our Lord even criticized the Pharisees and the Jews for that that they're always looking for a sign. Uh, that uh, and I think that's what happened with Archbishop Lefebvre in his mind. Archbishop Lefebvre, I think, became for him a type of walking apparition, uh, a, a walking oracle from God, uh, a message giver. He was the the saint sent to us in order to uh, lead us out of the problems of the church, and therefore had a certain personal infallibility for for Bishop Williamson. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I, I noticed that in various conversations with him, uh, that that there was not, you could not trespass into the idea of, well, maybe the archbishop is wrong on this. That was taboo. It was it was just considered impossible. And so I think that those things are, are bound up with his faith. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but then to say that you know to cite miracles. It's a general principle of Catholic theology that miracles are performed by God only in confirmation of the truth. So now, first, he's saying that the, Catholic, that the New Mass builds up the Catholic faith. Then he's saying that it has the stamp of approval from God himself by miracles. I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> let's, let's all go to the New Mass. Mm. Let's all go find a reverend priest and and... You know, we don't have to bother with the traditional movement. And there are plenty of priests saying the Mass, the new Mass, what you call, quote-unquote, reverently. A lot of the younger priests are, are saying it, quote-unquote, reverently, as, you know, as if something that, that is heretical could be reverent. That's why I'm putting it in quotes. They might even be wearing berettas. Who knows, Your Excellency? Yes, and, you know, they follow the rules. They Something like the EWTN Mass, you know, uh, the... Uh, uh, they they sing more or less traditional hymns and and uh, you know all, all of the trappings of what you'd call conservatism in the Novus Ordo are there. That's quite available. And so if what he's saying is true, that this that would have the stamp of approval from God, uh, I, the door is open to fellaism. I mean, that's what he calls it. Well, <laughs> just you know, in any case. <laughs> In any case, right, so he demurs from giving instruction because, again, the, the most anti-Sambornian part of his message was, again, quote, you make your own judgments. I've got to make my own decisions in my own circumstances. And as I said, that he may have a different notion of the episcopacy than you, you, you have, but I, I was very surprised to see to see that. And I don't know how, if you could give us some context uh, for um, being being a, a priest, a clerg- member of the clergy, a, a bishop, to, to say something like this is not necessarily helpful at all. In fact, it's maybe um, very much in the line of who am I to judge? 
it is very much in the line of who am I to judge. That, that it is to say that there is no objective norm which determines what ought to be done. You know, it, 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 you judge for yourself. I mean, it, it's why bother asking the question if that's the answer. <laughs> Uh, the very question is, you know, is this is this morally acceptable that I go to the new mass? That that was the, the sense of the question. And he says, you know, judge for yourself. And and the judge for yourself essentially means if, if you can pull Catholicism out of it, if you can find uh, something that nourishes your faith, then that's fine for you. If, if you cannot find something that nourishes your faith, well, then it's bad for you. Which again totally subjectivizes the the very nature of the new mass, and also uh, makes the the mass Catholic worship into a a, a spiritual tiramisu, a, a spiritual pick me up. That the reason I go to mass, and a lot of Catholics think this, and that's why they're so attached to the mass versus the faith. That I need something to pick me up. I need some sort of uh, fervor stimulant. Uh, if I don't have the fervor stimulant, uh, I will wither on the vine. And um, as I point out in the article, I mean, every form of Catholic worship will always stimulate your fervor, but that is not the prime purpose of it. it, it that's Protestant worship. It, it, Protestant worship is meant to stir you up inside because all Protestantism is interior religion. Uh, it, it has n no exterior except uh, certain rites and sermons and hymns and whatnot to stir up what is inside. So that principle that he sets out, to whatever you need to do to nourish your faith, is totally Protestant. And it, it would justify any kind of liturgical aberration, because any modernist can come along and say, well, you know, dancing and, and balloons uh, that nourishes my faith. It just, it totally draws it out of, of objectivity and is, is very, very close, if not the same, to, uh, as saying, who am I to judge? That, that's what Bergoglio said about an alleged uh, sodomite priest in the Vatican, that I am not going to apply to him, in other words, any objective norm of morality. Well, isn't it the same? Hmm. And uh, again, I, I want our listeners to today's episode to go to uh, Bishop Bishop Sanborn's blog in veritateblog.com and you can read this article yourself in full. As I said, today's episode was hopefully more of a discussion than it was a, a rehash of the article. And I am put into the position of asking you two difficult and somewhat painful questions for me. Recency, uh, you alluded to the fact that you've known the bishop for, for many, many years. Um, I was associated with him very closely while I was uh, in, in but you could say, in the SSPX or attending masses with the SSPX. And many people know that I, I was the bishop's publisher and that I worked with him on various initiatives. Uh, so I... Person my, you were Bishop Williamson's altar boy. <laughs> 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 I, I believe that that, that I, I've, I've had much worse uh, worse things said, um, but no, idea, not really. That was that was the, <laughs> the that was the, no. The, the they worst. were very closely allied to him. That's a, right. Um, so the idea that I also had my own relationship with Bishop Williamson, um, and I was attracted by some of the things that you you talked about that. Um, 
Bishop Williamson would talk about the idea of the 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 city, the, the church, the cathedral as the center of a Catholic city, but you have the suburbs that are surrounding it. But within the mind, the suburbs are sort of natural things, looking at the natural law, history, et cetera. These Catholic suburbs support the Catholic city intellectually. And uh, he really, in my late 20s, helped me to understand all these interlocking pieces, forces of organized naturalism, new world order, corruption of the culture, morals, literature, philosophy, all of those things pouring back into the repudiation of doctrine. And so some of the things you talked about that he's very good at, and there are people who you know attend our masses in London who are very attracted to Bishop Williamson for the same reason. He really is dead on uh, on the modern world. And so it's very painful for me to, to look at this. I have to sort of divorce myself from my knowledge of Bishop Williamson and look at these statements and ask you objectively, uh, is Bishop Williamson a modernist? No, I would not call Bishop Williamson a modernist. Uh, I I think that uh, what is coming out, particularly in that comment about do whatever nourishes your faith, is a Protestant hangover. Uh, uh, which, uh, you know, and Protestantism is very much allied to modernism in as much as it subjectivizes religion. Uh, and so I think he's got a, a Protestant hangover there. Uh, I, the, uh, uh, I don't think he ever totally shed his Protestant background, and, and it's coming out there. I heard him say once, for example, he was uh, giving a speech about confirmation. He said, Faith is a confidence in God, and that is a very Protestant notion of faith. Faith in the Catholic uh, doctrine is an assent to the truths revealed by God and proposed by the infallible authority of the Catholic Church. It is not a confidence in God, but the Protestant notion of faith is uh, confidence in God. So I think that he has that hangover. He has a... He has not totally uh, expunged Protestantism from his thinking and uh, drags it in here, there, and the other place. And uh, also, he's very much uh, influenced by Jesuit thinking, which emphasizes the interior life a great deal. Uh, And uh, that may have something to do with it as well. But no, I I think he knows what modernism is. I, I think he detests it. Uh, and uh, I, I just think that uh, he he is mixed up. He he has not thought this out and has not seen the the contradictions. I think if he read this article and saw the the quotes, I think he would say, "Yes, this is full of contradictions." <laughs> I I blew it. <laughs> I just didn't say it right. You know, I, I, anybody would say that. It's, it's it goes back and forth, back and forth, and it uh, doesn't make any sense. Well, some people might say you're, you're giving Bishop Williamson sort of a mentor contest pass that, uh, you know, he doesn't know what he's saying, and so he's excused. No, I wouldn't say he's a mentor vacantism. I mean, I don't believe in mentor vacantism. I, I think that he uh, never, ever got a thorough training in Catholicism. The only Catholicism that he knew was a Cones Catholicism, which was mixed up. <laughs> you know, Archbishop Lefebvre was was terribly mixed up, and and always changed his mind about this, that, and the other thing, and and was switching back and forth, whatever the temperature was in Rome, 
and and expecting his followers to switch with him. I wrote a whole article about that in 1983 called The Crux of the Matter. Uh, and if you fail to zig when he zigged or zagged when he zagged, you were out. And so you had to, in order to survive, you had to be a good zigzagger. I think that's what he knows as Catholicism. Uh, I don't think he ever was steeped in in true Catholicism, uh, but got a very tainted version of it. Uh, that's my thinking, anyway. Uh, but no, I don't. I would never call him a modernist, not at all. No, he knows what modernism is, and he he despises it and abhors it. So some have also suggested that Bishop Williamson may be an infiltrator. Now, I haven't given this credence in the past uh, because, uh, you know, this idea he's a Rosicrucian, et cetera. And I was always pretty dismissive of this. And I, I suppose I still am rather, uh, I take a rather dim view of this, but it, it was brought to, uh, was brought as a question by, by some people that, that, to be respect, and I, I felt that we should probably just ask the question, uh, even if you, even if you like me, uh, take a, a rather dim view of it. Um, do you think it's possible that Bishop Williamson would be an infiltrator? No, I don't think so. I think what may lead people to think that is that he's controversial, and he is, and trouble follows him, and <laughs> you know it always has. Uh, he, he's, um, he, he, he stirs the pot, definitely. Uh, at a cone, he stirred the pot against those, uh, as I said, those professors who were of modernist tendency. Uh, he, he's, uh, so he's controversial. Uh, he's not a, he's not somebody that's just going to go along to get along. Um, and, and, uh, so, you know, I think people might think, well, what's wrong with him? And, and, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's something more to him than, than we're seeing. And uh, I, I never saw any evidence of that. I just think that he is, uh, I think he's bold. Uh, and, uh, you know, when he's using that boldness to to be an opponent of, of the modernists and a proposer of the Catholic faith, it's very good. But he can use that boldness at times to uh, get himself into trouble and, and to to say things and do things which are, are improper or inaccurate. You know, you mentioned the stirring the pot and I always feel I, when I'm observing Bishop Williamson now, especially in the last 24 months, I tend to think that he was always stirring the pot within the context of the society. So he was always waiting for someone to push back on him. But since he's been expelled, he doesn't have any anyone to push back and, and the only religious organization he's ever been a part of he's now unhooked from and i think yeah. in a certain way we're watching what's happening to bishop williamson this is sort of a symptom of what happens when you you leave a religious congregation and you don't really have a replacement for it that you you start to lose some of your foundations and your your things that kept you in place and i i believe his behavior has gotten more and more or his statements have gotten more uh, erratic. Uh, his attacks on Sedevacantism have, have become more virulent um, since he's left the society. So. I, I, I think he's against Sedevacantism because the Archbishop was against it. If Archbishop Lefebvre had been a Sedevacantist, Bishop Williamson would be the most avid Sedevacantist in the whole world. But he, I think he feels this loyalty to Archbishop Lefebvre 
that that is the path which the archbishop avoided, and so will he avoid it. And then he starts making all of these excuses for Bergoglio, which, you know, go beyond the beyond. I mean, it just you know, cannot be taken seriously uh, you know, in those uh, various uh, blogs that he sends out. I mean, but you can see he's doing all of the mental gymnastics in order to preserve the line of the archbishop. At least that's what I think. But in his heart, I, I think he sees Sadevacantism as something that is quite valid. Well, as I, I told our listeners at uh, the beginning of today's episode, this is just going to be a short feature, and I want to wrap up the episode now. Your, Your Excellency, what last words would you leave our listeners with, again, apart from asking them to, to look at your article more in length? I suppose we'd ask Bishop Williamson to look at the article in more length if he hasn't already read it. Um, I do know that he keeps an eye on on things that you write. Um, what would you say to people who admire uh, and follow, uh, you could say, Bishop Williamson um, or Bishop Williamson himself? What would you say, Your Excellency? I think that well, concerning those who follow Bishop Williamson, they should be very much aware of the fact that, that he is uh, mixed up. I mean, and if you just put those those quotes together, this is somebody who is very, very confused, uh, and uh, therefore they should not have a great deal of confidence in what he's saying uh, until he straightens out. And, and I would say to Bishop Williamson that that you, sh- for as long as, as I say this in the article, for as long as you regard the- Bergoglio as the Pope, you Im- are implicitly saying that his religion is Catholic, and that is the source of your being mixed up. That you are trying to defend as Catholic a religion, a new religion, which you know in your heart is not Catholic. But because you're attached to Archbishop Lefebvre and see him as sort of the prophet that, that we must follow, you you bend and twist and turn until you you give a, a some sort of formula that pr- preserves the the uh, internal contradictions in archbishop lefebvre's mind and, and but uh you know that's what i would say to him that that, that uh, uh you need to abandon the new religion and the way you do that is abandon bergoglio <laughs> That, that is for as long as Bergoglio is your pope, his religion is implicitly Catholic. You're asserting it implicitly that his religion is Catholic, because papacy and faith are so intimately tied together that even common sense dictates that if somebody is the pope, he must be Catholic. He must profess the Catholic faith. So then it, it, it leads you into incredible contradictions that we see here. <clears throat> well, Your Excellency, we want to thank you for taking time to, to speak with us today and uh, with our listeners. We've made today's episode completely free so that lots of people can take a listen to all of it and all the points that you make. And as we said, um, take a look at your article and, and examine the facts. And uh, the quotes are all there. Unfortunately, they're all there for you to examine. They're not out of context. They're not... Uh, fabricated they're not paraphrased we used all of his excellency's direct quotes today uh in the discussion so uh again thank you for your time your excellency and uh we uh we will pray for uh bishop williamson's um 
what, what should I say? Evolution, <laughs> conversion, conversion, conversion on, on, yes. on these He would issues. be a very powerful weapon in the, in the fight against modernism if he would straighten his mind out about the new religion and the new mass. Well, I think that's a good place for us to end. Thank you so much for your time, Your Excellency, and we look forward to having you on for future episodes. Thank you very much. If you have any questions on this episode or any questions for Bishop Sanborn, please email them to flagship, F-L-A-G-S-H-I-P, flagship at truerestoration.org, and we'll endeavor to answer them or follow up as needs be. Want to remind our listeners that all of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time that you pray. For the Restoration, I'm Stephen Heiner. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.